Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of our service, today is Reformation Day, uh, the day when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany, back in 1517. And uh, that act by Luther set in motion the Protestant Reformation. Um, and as I mentioned, our own church traces its theological heritage back to that movement, back to that day. Um, but of course, most people in our culture do not associate October 31st with Reformation Day, do they? Um, but with Halloween, right? Which is also what today is. Um, Halloween has been a day that, that Christians have had very different opinions about uh, throughout history and sometimes very strong opinions about. Um, you may not know this, but the name Halloween actually has a Christian origin to it. Um, the, the, the name Halloween comes from All Hallows' Eve, which is the night before All Saints' Day, or sometimes called All Hallows' Day. Um, All, All Saints' Day is tomorrow, is November 1st, and, and uh, All Saints' Day actually dates back to the 9th century, when the, the church at the time um, set aside that particular day as a day to honor and celebrate and remember the saints who have gone before us. Now, remember that the Bible, when it uses the word saint, it's talking about all believers. So every believer in Christ, we are saints in, in, in him, right? And so it's a day when we can remember the saints that have gone before us, those who have died, who are now in, in God's presence, in Jesus' uh, presence. Um, and so, so Halloween and All Saints Day, actually for many, many years, were an opportunity for Christians to celebrate Christ's victory over evil and over death and giving thanks for the saints or believers who have died and are now in Christ's presence in heaven. But of course, most people today do not associate Halloween with that, right? <laughs> um, no, uh, most, most people see Halloween, I think, today as an opportunity to dress up in costumes, uh, for kids to go trick-or-treating around the neighborhood. Um, and, and, and there's kind of a, you know, there, there's that element of Halloween, but there are also uh, some darker things sometimes associated with Halloween, uh, things like ghosts and witches and vampires and spiders. And, and uh, because of these associations, uh, some Christians have felt that believers shouldn't participate in Halloween because of these, these darker elements that can be connected with this holiday um, that can sometimes even worry is there an association with, with, with demons or Satan himself. Well, this morning, I am not going to try to persuade you to celebrate or not celebrate Halloween. Okay, that's not my job today. Um, I believe that this is one of those issues that Christians can disagree about. Christians can have different convictions about, um, and, uh, and you are free to, to come to different conclusions on this matter. The different Christians come to, to different conclusions for different reasons. But the reason I'm bringing all this up this morning is because as I was reading today's text, the next text in the sermon series that I've been preaching on, which is 1 John, a letter of love, um, the text that we're going to be looking at today actually speaks about spirits um, and highlights the reality of the spiritual realm. These spirits, both the spirit of God, but also the reality of spirits that are not from God. Um, and so, so it was interesting in studying this passage today and realizing that sometimes Halloween, there is this talk about this reality of spirits and, 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 and this other world. And so my sermon to title today is Test the Spirits. Test the spirits. We're going to look at what John has to say about um, how to test 
whether a spirit is from God or not from God, and, and what difference that might make for our, our lives today, and maybe a little bit of even about how that might connect with today, in particular, both Reformation Day and Halloween. So our text today is 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6. So hear God's word to us today. Um, this is from the Apostle John. He writes, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would uh, illumine our hearts today to understand your word and as you call us through your word here to test the spirits, that, that you would uh, show us how to do that in our own lives, in our own world, um, and how to, uh, to make sure that we are following in line with, with the spirit of God um, and listening to your spirit, God. And so we pray that your spirit today would speak powerfully to us through your word and through the words that you've given me to share with our congregation today. So um, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, this morning, I want to look at, at three things that we see in our, our text today. Um, the first is two kinds of spirits that, that uh, John talks about, and then we're going to look at how to test the spirits, and then finally, who is the greater spirit? Uh, so we're going to start with two kinds of spirits. In, in actually the verse just before our text, um, back in the end of chapter 3, John says this. He says, and this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So John says that we can know that we belong to God and that God lives in us because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's one of the ways we can know, right? That sense of the Spirit's presence. But John recognizes that, that anyone can claim to have the Holy Spirit in their life. It doesn't necessarily mean that the Holy Spirit is living in that person. And that's what he addresses in verse 1 of our text, where he says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so John here is saying that just because someone claims to have spiritual inspiration, someone just claims that the Spirit of God told me this, doesn't mean that they are actually being inspired or, or led by the Spirit of God. Um, John says that there are two kinds of spirits operating in this world, spirits that are from God, but also spirits that are not from God. Um, now, for some of us, I think when we hear some of this language of, of spirits, um, you know, whether to believe a certain spirit or testing a spirit, um, we, we might almost wonder, is, is John envisioning something like this, this image right here? Um, 
This image actually is from uh, the, uh, the 1937 Disney animated short cartoon called Lonesome Ghosts, which uh, our family discovered on Disney Plus uh, this month. And we, we watched this. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty funny little, our, our kids were, were rolling on the floor laughing at this, this, this little short that, that uh, was back from 1937. But here in this image, you know, Goofy is looking in the mirror and, and he sees this ghost looking back at him. Is this what John is talking about? That we're supposed to be, you know, having a conversation with a ghost, with, with the spirit that, you know, is it, is, it, is it from God or is it not from God? Is, are, we, are we interacting with spirits floating around out here? No, that's not what John is talking about. If you look back in, in verse 1, John says that, that we're supposed to test these spirits, he says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, so what John is talking about here is not having a conversation with a ghost, but he's talking about discerning the spirit behind a person, behind someone who's speaking, a person, right? He, he warns that there are these false prophets, individuals who are speaking and saying that they're proclaiming God's word, they're proclaiming what the Spirit has led them to say, but John says, no, they're, they're actually false prophets. So, so what he's telling us is that, that each of us, we are physical beings, we're human beings, and yet we are also spiritual beings. And each of us has a spirit, right, that, that we are speaking out of. We, we're both, we are flesh and spirit together, and we are all influenced also by the spiritual realm around us. You can't get away from this. When you read the Bible, the Bible speaks about spiritual realities, even spiritual beings that are real. Um, beings that we cannot see, that we cannot hear, we cannot touch um, with our physical senses, except maybe on very rare occasions that we see sometimes in Scripture. But throughout the Bible, we read about angels and demons that are sometimes called unclean spirits and about the ultimate enemy of God called Satan or the devil. And the Bible teaches that these spiritual beings and realities, that they're real and they can have an impact in our world. And so John warns his readers that when someone speaks about spiritual things, you can't assume that they're just speaking the truth. You shouldn't just believe anyone who says they're speaking something from God because that person could be a false prophet. And they could actually be speaking from a spirit that's not from God. Um, if you look at how John identifies these two kinds of spirits in this passage, he uses different language um, in different places. So I'm going to just throw up two columns here that show a couple of these contrasts. On the left column, we see that he, he sometimes talks about the spirit of God. And, and also in verse 6, he says that, that that same spirit is the spirit of truth. On the right column, though, he says that sort of the, the antithesis of this is the spirit of the Antichrist. He speaks about it in verse 3, or the spirit of falsehood in verse 6. Um, we saw actually John talk about the, the, the Antichrist um, a few weeks ago in, in chapter 2, where he, he actually was talking about Antichrists, people who were living at the time of John who were trying to lead them away from Jesus, who were trying to lead them away from believing in Christ. And so here he brings that same language back, and he says that, that, that the spirit that are not from God, they are spirits of the Antichrist. Um, and you can see, again, that he's making this, this distinction between God's spirit that speaks the truth and this other spirit that is the spirit of falsehood. Um, so there are these, these two different kinds of spirits that John talks about. 
A person may claim to be speaking from the spirit of God, but they may actually be speaking from the spirit of falsehood, the spirit of the Antichrist. And so this raises the question, how do you know the difference? Right? How do you know if a person is speaking from the spirit of God or speaking from the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of falsehood? Right? Well, what John says is test the spirits. Test the spirits. So that's the next thing we need to look at. Right? How do we do that? How do we test the spirits? So that's our next point, our second point, which is how to test the spirits. Um, how do you determine whether a person is speaking from the spirit of God or not? Well, John, thankfully, makes it very clear for us. He says this in verses 2 and 3. He says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So the key question when you're, when you're trying to discern is this person speaking from the spirit of God or not is what does that person say about Jesus? That's what John is saying here, right? It all comes down to Jesus. It all comes down to what you're saying about who Jesus is. Um, and, and there's a few things to note about what John specifically says here, that every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So first, he, what he's saying here is that Jesus, the person, the, the historical person, Jesus of Nazareth, that that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Christ is just the, 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 the translation of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed one. And so a person who's speaking from the Spirit of God will confess that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the anointed one, he is the Messiah, he is the one whom God promised to Israel, right? The next thing he says is that a person speaking from the Spirit of God will acknowledge that Jesus, who's the Christ, has come in the flesh. Now, now that phrase, come in the flesh, points to two realities that I actually talked about in the very first sermon of this sermon series, that Jesus is both fully God and he's fully man, that he's both. Um, saying that Jesus has come in the flesh means that he really was and he really is human. He's, he, wasn't just, he didn't just look like a human being. He, he was human. He was one of us. So he can be our substitute, right? But by saying that he has come in the flesh indicates that he came from somewhere, that, that he was in existence before he became in the flesh, which means that he was and is God. He is fully God. He is eternally existing with the Father and the Spirit as the second person of the triune God. He is the Son. He is God the Son. And so what John is saying here is that anyone who denies any of that is not speaking from the Spirit of God. Anyone who denies that Jesus is the Christ, that denies that Jesus came in the flesh, that he's fully God, fully man, they're not, they're not speaking from the Spirit of God. Now, how do we know this, that Jesus Christ did come in the flesh? Where does that come from? It comes from the Bible, right? It comes from, from God's Word. And so another way to test the spirits is to look at what the Bible says. And does the person who's speaking, what they're teaching, does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with God's word? 
the Bible is our standard that determines whether a particular teacher or teaching is true or false, whether it's from God's spirit or not. Now, as I mentioned, today is Reformation Day, right? And one of the central affirmations that Martin Luther brought at the time of the Reformation was this principle of sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. That, that, that Luther said that when we are looking to determine what we should believe and how we should live, where do we go? We go to scripture. We go to God's word. That that is our final authority. And so how do we determine what's true, what's right, what, what do we believe? It's not through human reasoning. It's not through tradition, whatever traditions have been passed along to us. It's not our feelings. It's not our personal experiences. You know, all those things, we can, we can take those into account, but if those things conflict with what God's word says, where do we, what do we believe? We believe God's word, right? That is our, our final authority. Um, when, when Luther was actually on trial at the Diet of Worms in 1521, it looks like Diet of Worms. You wonder, like, is he eating worms or something like that? Um, it's, it's a, I mean, Diet was a, was a trial, and Worms was the name of the city in Germany. Um, in 1520, Luther was asked to recant his writings, you know, from the Pope, the, the, the Catholic uh, leadership at the time, and said, you know, do you deny all these things you've been saying? You've been, you've been rustling the people's feathers. And this was what Luther's famous response was. He says, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, reason kind of in, in line with the scriptures, he says, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. That's what Luther said, right? I, I, cannot, I can't go against what scripture teaches. I can't deny what God's word actually says. Um, and so Luther based that stand on the word of God. Now it's important to acknowledge that there are some topics that the Bible doesn't address. And there are certain things the Bible is silent on, certain things, certain questions that we might wonder, and the Bible doesn't actually say something about that. And so there are things we need to, we need to use our reason. We need to, to, to try to understand from principles of the scripture to understand things. There are also certain things that, questions that are difficult to determine exactly what the Bible teaches on a particular topic. Um, and these are the places where different theological traditions, different denominations disagree with one another. Right? So we, we, there, there are just those realities. And it's important that we do not deny the Spirit of God working in a person who just disagrees with us theologically, right? on some of those smaller points, those more, more side issues. But there are certain things that the Bible is very clear about. And one thing that can sometimes help us, like we might wonder that question, like what is it that's so central that we should make sure that we affirm and what is it okay that we might disagree about as Christians? Well, one of the things that's been a help to Christians over the centuries has been these things that are called creeds. Um, and here are two creeds that, that our church affirms and that, that most, almost, yeah, all Christian churches affirm are, are the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. Um, earlier in the service, we said together the Apostles' Creed when Margaret was baptized. And this is a statement of, of things that we believe about God about God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And where do those things come from? 
They come from God's word. They come clearly from scripture. And these are things that Christians have agreed to say, these are central things that we need to affirm as Christians. Um, the Nicene Creed is another one of those things. And so these creeds can be helpful ways of testing whether or not someone is speaking for the spirit of God or not, whether that teaching is in line with God's word or not. And it's important that we know how to do this. It's important that we know how to do this because John warns many false prophets have gone out into the world, right? So he says that, that here's the reality. There are people in the world, even people who claim to be Christians who are not speaking from the spirit of God, but who are speaking from the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of falsehood. Um, in verse five, John puts it another way. He says, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. Um, and, and here John is talking about the world in the same way that he did back in chapter two when he, when he talked about humanity in opposition to God, um, that the sinful fallen aspects of our world. And, 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 and so he's talking about that, that they, these false teachers, they're, they're coming from the world, right? They're speaking from the viewpoint of the world, of the world, the sinful world that is opposed to God. And he even refers in the verse just before this, in verse four, to the one who is in the world, referring to the evil one, referring to Satan, the devil. And when we're faced with this reality that, that there are these false prophets trying to lead us astray and, and there are the deceptions of the evil one and there is the influence of the world that's trying to turn us away from God, it can start to feel overwhelming. We can start to wonder, you know, how, how do we know what's true, what's not, right? And that's exactly what Satan wants us to think. That's exactly what the world wants us to think, to think, you know what? Nobody knows the truth. You know, everybody just has different opinions. And so we just do our best. And... But here's the thing. The last thing I want to focus on, my final point today, is to talk about the victory of the greater spirit. John talks about there's these two spirits in the world, these two different kinds of spirits. And we can test it, but, but here's, the, here's the bottom line, that one of the spirits is greater than the other. That these two spirits, they're, they're not equal in power. You know, I think all of you know that, that I love Star Wars, right? But one of the things that, that Star Wars just doesn't get right in terms of at least thinking about the truth about the world is that, that in Star Wars, there's, there's the force and there's the dark side of the force and the light side of the force. And, and they're kind of like these, there's a balance there, right? Between these two forces. What's gonna win, the light or the dark? But guess what? In reality, in, in our world, in our universe, that's not true because God is way more powerful and superior to the dark side, to the one who is in the world, to Satan. That, 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 that Satan, the evil one, is far inferior to the God of the universe. And so in verse four, this is exactly what John says. John says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you, who's in believers and Christ, who's he talking about there? He's talking about God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He is greater than the one who's in the world, meaning Satan or the devil. There's no comparison. When Jesus died on the cross, he defeated Satan. He defeated the devil. He rescued all of us sinners whom the devil had a claim on 
and he took us for himself. This is what we read in Colossians 2, 13 to 15. The apostle Paul says, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus won the victory. He won the victory over that written code of the law that stands against us, that condemns us for our sin. He beat that law. He fulfilled the law. And he also won the victory over the spiritual powers and authorities of evil. It says that he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. At the beginning of our service today, we sang that Reformation hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, that Martin Luther wrote. And the third verse of that hymn captures this victory that God has over the spiritual powers of evil in our world and what that means for us. So I want to read that third stanza of A Mighty Fortress. Hear what, what Martin Luther said. He says, And though this world, with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. We don't need to fear the devil and his deceitful spirits in this world. We tremble not for him. Why? For lo, his doom is sure. He is defeated. And God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon today, today's not only Reformation Day, but it is Halloween. And as I, as I mentioned, as I said, Christians have different opinions about participating in Halloween. This is one of those things that the Bible does not explicitly address because it didn't exist when the Bible was written, right? So this is one of those things that Christians wrestle with, with what Scripture says and try to discern the best decision they can make for different reasons. They point to different verses. I know different Christians who, who disagree about this. But one thing that we should all agree on, no matter what you think about Halloween, is this. We do not need to fear the things associated with this day the darker things in Halloween. We do not need to fear those things. Why? Because Jesus has defeated the powers of evil. He has defeated Satan. He's defeated all that darkness. And because of that, we too have victory over all those things. I love this verse in Romans 16, 20, where the apostle Paul says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's the power that he gives us, that we get to crush Satan under our feet because he's defeated. Satan is defeated. He has no power over us. Satan would love to try to convince us that he isn't defeated. He would love to try to convince us that, that he has great power. He may have some power in this world, and we, don't, we shouldn't take that lightly. But at the same time, for us who are believers in Christ, he has no power over us. He has no power over us. So I believe that we are free, if we choose, to go trick-or-treating, dress up in any costume you like, give out candy to kids if you like, right? Because you know what? We're free. Satan has no power 
over me, no power over us, right? Um, and we today, I think, are invited to think about what that original Christian meaning was of All Hallows Eve, right? The evening before we remember those who have gone before us, that because of Jesus' victory over sin and over Satan and over death itself, we have the hope of eternal life. That those saints, those believers in Christ, have gone on before us, that they are enjoying today, and that we have that hope as well in our lives. And after I pray, we're going to sing a hymn of response, Crown Him with Many Crowns. And this hymn, it's a powerful one, and, and it proclaims the victory that Jesus has, the victory that he has over all sin, over all evil. And it also declares what we said earlier, that the Spirit of God will, will say, which is that Jesus came in the flesh, that he is fully God, he is fully human, he is a Savior of the world. And so as we sing that triumphant hymn, I want to encourage us to sing it loudly, sing it boldly, as we proclaim Christ's victory and lordship over all spirits, over all false prophets, over all deceptions in our world, and over evil, sin, and Satan himself. And so I'm going to just read that in, in, in closing, the third verse of that hymn that we're going to sing in just a moment. Hear these words, and we're going to sing it in a moment. Crown him the Lord of life, who triumphed o'er the grave, and rose victorious in the strife for those he came to save. His glories now we sing, who died and rose on high, who died eternal life to bring, and lives that death may die. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are victorious, that, that when we think about the reality of evil in our world, the reality of sin in our own lives, the reality of Satan, there is a spiritual realm in this world, Lord, but you are Lord over it all. You are the one who has conquered. You have won the victory, and we stand boldly in that victory today, Lord. We stand before the devil's accusations who would, would want to accuse us and tell us that, that we don't deserve your love because we have sinned, because we have fallen short of your standard. But no, Lord, you say there is one who stands before you, Jesus Christ, who has paid for that sin in full, who has taken our place as fully God, fully man, and has saved us. And so we stand victoriously in that, in that victory, Lord. And, and we also stand victoriously before all evil in this world, that before Satan, the, the prince of darkness grim, that we don't have to tremble before him because his doom is sure, because you have won the victory. And so help us, Lord, to stand boldly in that and to stand joyously in that, to proclaim that you have won, that you are the one who is crowned with many crowns, and that we celebrate that today, on this Reformation Day, on this Halloween, Lord, that you are Lord of all, and that we rejoice and praise you and worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen.